hello and welcome to the Caregiver Stories podcast, where we discuss all things dementia and hopefully share some caregiver stories along the way. My name is Kimberly Scott. I am a part-time caregiver to my mother, who at the age of 65 was diagnosed with early onset dementia. And in 2019, I started Caregiver Stories to help build awareness and give caregivers a place to tell their stories of course, whenever they're ready, to continue the education for those who don't know what dementia is and for those who have loved ones that were just diagnosed. And most importantly, I want people to start talking uh, and maybe just maybe the cycle of dementia might be broken with a plan and or maybe some better health habits. So... If you want to share your story, or if you have knowledge about dementia and want to be a guest on the Caregiver's Stories podcast, visit thatkimberly.com to sign up to be interviewed. And while you're there, you can pick which platform you prefer to listen to the podcast on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and now Amazon Alexa. My guest today is Vicki Tapia, caregiver for both her parents, an author of Somebody Stole My Iron and who is also co-founder of Alts Authors. Hello, Vicki. Hello. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time and sharing your story with us. Give the listeners a little bit of background on who you are, more than what I just stated, of course, and what led you to do the work that you're doing now. I was perking along as a lactation consultant. Okay. And when I was not completely blindsided, but when I, my parents both turned up within the same year with dementia, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and my dad with Parkinson's related dementia. They were living about two hours east of where I live. It went on for a bit of time, probably five or six months of them still continuing to live on their own, probably not very safely. Mm -hmm. before they agreed to move. My mom was adamant they w were born there, they would die there. Uh. It was very hard. And, and I now realize just what that meant to leave everything comfortable and familiar. It was very, very difficult for them. I probably hastened my mom's decline just a little bit because she was pulled away from everything that she knew. And I later learned how the negative impact of that on someone with dementia, because they do better when they're surrounded by things that they know yeah but in any case they couldn't continue to live on their own whether she liked that or not but they moved to be in the same city as I live in into an assisted living facility mm. they almost feel like I did a bait and switch on my mom but not intentionally I had arranged for them to be in the same apartment with the two bedrooms but as it turned out my dad needed too much skilled nursing care to do that so he was put into the memory care cottage and my mom into an apartment, which mm. wasn't what she thought it would be. And neither did I, but by then the wheels had been set in motion and there was no turning back. Why would they have to be separated in that case? Well, because my mom was still operating well enough on her own that she wouldn't have to be in the memory care cottage. And those are the locked units where okay. people that have more severe dementia live. And mm -hmm. that would have been very hard for her at that time because she was still playing bridge and she just had some memory issues. So she didn't really qualify to be in the locked unit, but my dad was in a wheelchair 
and needed a lot of, of care. Yeah. Um, but she was still getting around on her own pretty well. So were they close mm -hmm. enough to where she could go walk over there and visit him? Yes. Yeah, well, she was as far away as she could be. She was in the last apartment on the third floor and the memory care was on the opposite wing of the building. Okay. Yes, she started using a walker because it was such a long walk for her. But yes, she was able to go and spend each day with him down there. So that was when I became the family caregiver. Yeah, you know, while even though they weren't living with me, I was still intimately involved in their day to day care yeah. for the next four and five years. There was a lot of interfacing to be done for sure. So when they were diagnosed, was it something that like my mom little things occurred that were just not right and I wasn't sure, but then her friends came to me and said we think there's something wrong with your mom, you know, mm -hmm. we don't want to tell her. Like, how did you mm -hmm. come about? Wow. I wish my mom's friends had come to me. Oh. You know, my, my mom, just the master of disguise or great actress because she covered for years. The Parkinson's related dementia that my dad had didn't affect his personality so much. He had some memory issues, but it wasn't as a parent as my mom became more angry and difficult to talk to reasonably. Mm -hmm. She would call and accuse me of stealing her money to travel. And oh. she did things like we were having a 90th birthday party celebration from my father. All the relatives had come to town and, and our oldest granddaughter came to the door and my mom opened the door and didn't have a clue who she was. That should have been a tip off to us. Maybe mm -hmm. something wasn't quite right. Another time we came to visit and I brought my kids who were home on college break and we arrived at their house and she met us at the door with a pan of I guess they were chocolate chip cookies they mostly look like black yeah. flat pieces of dough I think she was having trouble reading the the recipe and you know another time she wanted some help in the kitchen answering questions and she said could you tell me what this is for what would I ever use it for and she had pulled out her egg beater and I'm, I thought, wow, that's really weird. But I, I just kept normalizing it and rationalizing it. Like mm -hmm. it's really stressful caring for my daddy. And she's sleep deprived and stressed out. And it's yeah. a little bit of a forgetfulness from age and this, that, and the other thing. Not for a minute realizing that there was something dreadful going on in her brain. You know, it took several incidences like these for me to finally start to come around to the idea. Maybe there's something else going on here rather than just you know, old age. Yeah, and it, it took a whole year after the place where she didn't recognize your granddaughter to get her into the doctor. She was very resistant. But mm -hmm. I think eventually she realized she was probably having trouble doing cooking. And I noticed she was losing weight. And by then she'd had to put my dad into the local nursing home because he'd fallen on her and frightened her so badly that the next day she, she put him in for what she said was 10 days of respite care. But he... You know, what happened after that was she lived alone. He lived in the nursing home until I moved them about three months later to where I live in, in Billings. Mm. So, yeah. It's a hard, it's rocky hard. road. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Many people have said, and I have read on some of the things that, that you have wrote about that everybody's journey is different. And we're not educated in the beginning about all this. So mm -hmm. thank goodness mm -hmm. for you writing books and others writing books about their experience to let people know that everybody's journey is different and not to beat themselves up because you didn't know what you didn't know. You're just figuring it out as you went, you know? That's true. That's true. And part of what I hope to create is an awareness on other people's parts to recognize the signs sooner 
yeah. so that things can happen like you have talked about finding out what their end of life care wishes are and and things like that before it's too late oh yeah my mom, she makes jokes now. She, you know, she's seven years in and we have to hide her keys so that she doesn't drive. But oh, yes. she's still, she's got a sense of humor, but I can't get her to tell me about like what she wants, you know, if and when she passes and things of that sort. So I'm like, okay, mom, if you don't tell me, then I'm going to cremate you. Mm -hmm. and, she, and she's Catholic. So she's like, oh no, I want to be buried. I was like, well, you got to talk to me about this, mom. Yeah. It needs to be in writing, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a will, but you know, it's more like a living trust, everything has been taken out of her name, put into a living trust where everything's left to her because it's a living mm -hmm. trust for me that's mm -hmm. left, you know, so that she's taken care of. But it's definitely yeah. still hard because I can only get so much information out of her. <laughs> sure. I mean, does she want a feeding tube? Does she want to be kept alive as long as possible? Oh, no, that absolutely is not something that mm -hmm. she, but it's more along the lines of, I'm going to try and keep her in her home as long as possible, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I know that there'll the be comfortable familiarity. Yes. yes. That was mm -hmm. the first thing the doctor told me because I thought about mm -hmm. moving her to Dallas where I live. And mm -hmm. he said that that, even though it was early onset, that she plays tennis every day. And that's what's wow. basically kept her in mm -hmm. her body in the healthy mode. So yeah, it's so amazing. I mean, how my mom could keep playing bridge. Yes. And she couldn't remember her granddaughter. You know, it's, it is amazing. The parts of the brain that. Yes. That it's still, still operate. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the exercising of it like that, you know, that was a, mm -hmm. that's a good thing. Well, more and more information coming out, how important it is for us to exercise like at any age and yes, continue to do it as we age. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. So what other advice I have to ask, would you tell someone that just found out that mm -hmm. their loved one was diagnosed with dementia or that just became a caregiver? Well, I'd be sure that the durable and medical power of attorney are in place. Mm -hmm. I would encourage them to have that conversation about what do you want at the end of life? You know, it's a hard conversation to have, but there's something called the conversationproject.org where you can go and it gives you the, actually the words to use to make it a little bit easier to talk about, which I found very helpful when I was actually going through with me as the elder and my children. Mm -hmm. This wasn't something I could do for my parents, but they pretty much had put in place everything they wanted for their funeral. So, but I think it's just important that also they talk to their loved one about what do they expect as far as care. I mean, are, is the person going to stay home? Do they want to go to insist, assisted living? I have met people who did not want to be a burden to their children. They wanted to move into assisted living. They didn't want to stay in their home. I mean, everyone has a different approach. So mm -hmm. I think finding out, being able to ask your loved one what their wishes are for the future and let them be involved in the planning is very important oh, yeah. for that person. Absolutely. Um, I think I would also say, remember self-care mm -hmm. in a stressful time. The first thing to go is self-care and there, I've met innumerable people that have burnout, symptoms of burnout and they don't deny it. And I was one of those deniers. I know looking back how stressed out I was and how and I was suffering from burnout, but it was like, no, 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 because I, we were trying to be everything. And we mm -hmm. forget that if we don't take care of ourselves, we're more apt to get ill. We're less likely to be able to cope with what's coming up. And it, and it's hard. To, you, you think, well, that's just selfish to, to you know, go have a massage or whatever. Yeah. But it's not. You need to be sure that you as a person are taking care of yourself before you can take care of someone else. Absolutely. 100%. I felt very guilty the first two years that I 
not not moving there. And even though she was adamant at me not doing that, I was just like, okay. And I just made the decision of uh, I'll go every month and I'll, you know, give relief to the caregiver that she gets along with. And it's just more of a running buddy. That's, you know, is what I like to call her because my mom still wants to be active Uh and, and drives her places. And then it gives my stepdad the weekend off when I'm there. So Uh about four days Uh and then I just catch up. But that was hard for me to be okay with just being there those four days or five Mm -hmm. days because I felt like I should be there more. But, you know, I was running myself ragged the first two years. Yeah. You forgot about the self-care yourself, didn't you? (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. The self-care is Uh, very important. It is. And not beating yourself up is what I always. Well, I think one of the overriding emotions that most caregivers experience is guilt. Yes. Everyone I've talked to, that usually is the first thing they say. I had such guilt. Was I doing enough? Was I being enough? Had I done enough for them? Or guilt that you hadn't done enough for them? Oh, yeah. It's a big one. Yes. I learned about the eight stages of Alzheimer's. Yes. Right? Caregiver grief. Mm -hmm. And was quite amazed when I discovered it, what stage I was in, and the fact that we're constantly going through it. Yes, you are. You go, different times. Yes, you go back and forth. One thing I found missing, and I think this is just coming out more and more, that sometimes underlying the guilt is something called resentment mm-hmm. that no one wants to talk about, but yes. um, is also there and probably should be included as a stage. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it is in this last one that I read, but I was going through grief and guilt when I discovered mm-hmm. that article. And it was quite eye-opening, for sure. What one thing do you want people to know when it comes to dementia? I think what I'd like to say is that while dementia may lose their rational self, that ability to make wise choices or focus on details, the part of us that is logical, they do not lose their intuitive self. And this is something new that I've learned, that they still have their emotions intact. So if we can tap into their emotions and their senses and things like that, I think that it can make the journey less traumatic for both parties. Mm -hmm. And it's being able to tap into that and developing your ability to be patient and compassionate. yes. Yes, you may have to repeat things. 350 times, but it helps them be able to integrate their day and move forward without so much anxiety because they do have a lot of anxiety. Oh, yeah. I, I can only imagine what it must be like to have that. I know my mom had this awareness that she her mind was failing because she would say, something's wrong with me. I can't remember. She was aware of what was happening to her. And I think how scary. I relate this to my husband and we're on a camping trip and we parked at this big campground and I went to use the facilities and I came out and I looked and my camper wasn't where I thought it had been. And I looked and I looked wow. and I just started to panic and said, it's like, what happened? What ha-? I walked into an alternate universe. What happened? And I just remember the sense of terror I had. Well, what I'd done is come out the opposite side, a different door. Oh. <laughs> so when I went back inside and went out the other side, there was our camper right where I had left it when I walked in. So just that momentary sheer terror that I felt that I was, I'd lost my mind and my camper. Yeah. And that gave me the, the smallest of hints what it must be like for someone that is experiencing this on a regular basis. It's only increasing. So. Oh, yeah. 
I think being able to meet them where they are rather than trying to reason with them is impossible to reason with somebody with dementia and you might as well just forget it. And, yeah. It um, took me right about a year to, <laughs> to figure oh, out. Oh, it did me too. I was always trying to reason with my mom, but just letting go of yeah. their rational self, it, their logic is not going to be there anymore and, and key into their intuitive self mm -hmm. um, on the emotional level. Touch is so important to these people just physical touching because i think older people need more touch probably <laughs> yeah well i definitely tried to make light of things and my mom and i have very similar uh, personalities we're very strong and i just let her win i repeat myself 300 times yes. and i let her win yes. and i yes. redirect because she deserves uh -huh. it i feel like she deserves it <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i finally learned to just let my mom wind down when she was on a rampage mm -hmm. tirade or if i couldn't redirect the conversation she'd eventually sputter out and then we yeah. could talk about something else it mm -hmm. would change in 30 minutes <laughs> yep hopefully <laughs> knock on wood yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, well what is something that surprised you from being a caregiver or that you learned about yourself that I learned about myself. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that I found out I was stronger than I thought I was. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know what it would be like to sit with someone while they passed away. And I was there for both my parents. Mm -hmm. When they passed away, I thought I would, you know, fall apart. But no, I, I mean, it was such a beautiful experience. And that I hope that doesn't sound strange to no. talk about death being beautiful, but it, it really was. And I, and I felt like I developed a strength I didn't know I had underneath myself because I'm a very emotional person and to be able to interface with doctors and nurses and not just start crying was that was a growth area for me and I mm -hmm. and I learned I could do that and I also realized that I had a very strong feeling that I needed to share my family's experiences and with the hope of being able to help someone else on their journey maybe mm -hmm. experience less pain less loneliness so that I learned I had a writer, a book inside of me mm -hmm. <laughs> that just poured out of me. Well, I did read something that you said that you went through a period of time that you were not wanting to do that because you were worried about mm -hmm. sharing your family's secrets or stories or why do you think well, that I, was? Yeah. Someone said to me, well, how could you dishonor your parents by writing about their story and you know, <sighs> putting it out there for the world to see? And that caused me to put the manuscript away for three years. <laughs> Oh, wow. Plus, my brother was not the most supportive person mm -hmm. during this time. And I was afraid that it would really set something off between the two of us. Hence, I changed my parents' name, the cities where it takes place, and his name. So in the end, I had shared the manuscript with friends mm -hmm. that had parents. And they all encouraged me to look for a publisher, to have it published, because they felt that it had worthwhile information. And one of my friends said, well, this is a really good book, but what, what's in it for me? What'd you learn that would be helpful to me? And from that, the lessons learned part of my book at mm -hmm. the end of most chapters came about. So well, That's good. Um, I have found that sometimes the people closest to us, our family members, are either scared for them themselves and or scared so much for us that they discourage us because they think they're protecting us, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but mm -hmm. good for you for changing your mind because it is something that more people need to be talking about and having conversations about. Maria Shriver, I think mm -hmm. after her interview on the Today Show in November was when I was like, okay, I want to talk about the caregivers. I want to 
talk about what happens to caregivers and how, if we're not planning and having a conversation, how this is affecting everybody. And I do want people to be talking and getting educated and being prepared because like you, when you find out a year after the incident that happened with yeah. her oldest granddaughter, like those things, you're just in this whirlwind. Like when you walked out of the bathroom looking for your trailer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't wish sure. those feelings on anybody. No, I don't either. Yeah. So, so a lot of reassurance for the affected person, you know, that it's going to be okay. And mm-hmm. just a calm demeanor is really yes. important, I think, too. If I hadn't written my book, I wouldn't have met the other authors and been part of all his authors either and that's been the last gift my parents left me wow. meeting these other writers and forming this global group that supports people that are caregivers talk, yeah talk a little bit about that well it, it all started about four years ago okay. when there were five authors one in Ohio one in New York and myself and and two others which has since left right after we decided to promote together our books because one of the authors said well if a person that's a caregiver is going to read one book about dementia. They're probably going to read two or three. So that made sense to us. So we began promoting together. And then we realized that maybe we could have a website and write blog posts about what we were experiencing as caregivers. And then we decided maybe there were other authors out there that might like to be sharing their stories about Mm -hmm. the story behind the story of why they wrote their book. And so what started out with five authors. We do have now six authors on our management team. Three of us are the originals. Plus we have 200 authors or bloggers. We do often, um, once in a while, profile a blogger, but to make up the all's authors group. And we're growing steadily and have just been approached by different entities. Rather than us seeking out authors, they're now coming to us and we post a new story every week and it's been so gratifying to meet all these other people that have experienced some form of caregiving and connect with them and realize even though all our journeys are different they're all the same (laughs) with the same result at the end yes Um, it's been an amazing journey I have to say we're four years old now oh well congratulations I was excited to find the organization when I did. And you're right. After reading your reviews, I would say the first 10 that I read on the first page, I didn't get past the first page, but they were long and they were good. All of them were good. All said that they read from five to 30 books. Like that all started like I've read, Mm -hmm. you know, so Mm -hmm. you're right. There's a constant thirst for knowledge and getting the different perspectives because the journeys are all different and mm-hmm. it's good for you all for coming together and and realizing that collaboration is it benefits everyone benefits yes. everyone for sure mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well tell folks how they can get a hold of you and where they can buy your book as well or if they have more questions to ask sure my website is vickitapia.com very easy v-i-c-k-i-t-a-p-i-a.com not to mistaken yeah. for tilapia. <laughs> right. You would be surprised how many times I've been called a fish. <laughs> My book is available on Amazon. I think that's the easiest place to find it. It's at Barnes & Noble. There's various places that it's okay. available, but Amazon just seems to be the go-to. Okay, awesome. Well, I do really appreciate 
you for giving me your time today, Vicki, and sharing your story. Thank you. It was great being here with you, Kim. Yes. Thank you. And if you want to learn more about Vicki, she's also on all the social media platforms, right, Vicki? Oh, I am. I'm, on, I'm sorry. I didn't think of that. I'm on Facebook, Vicki Tapia author. I am mm. on Twitter. Okay. Vicki Tap. And I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn. And what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> she's out there. You can find her. I'm out there. Yes, yeah. you can. Just type in my name. Cool. Well, thank you. And if you want to listen to other episodes, again, go to thatkimberly.com and you can choose where to listen to. You can also follow me on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Insta, Twitter, LinkedIn. And until next week, remember sharing is caring and to the caregivers listening. And in the words of Dottie Gandy, you have my undying love, gratitude, and admiration. And to those that have not had the conversation with your family about dementia, please start talking about it talk about the what if something happens and they can no longer take care of themselves then what what's the plan remember tomorrow is promised to nobody thank you vicky mm -hmm.